Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from Ford Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bolt, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but... But we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickheads, you could say. It's just it's, they're just <laughs> there's good racing and I enjoy it. Mm. From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. Hello and welcome to the show. Joining me this week, two men that were having so much fun up there in Queensland after the V8 Supercars. They decided, bugger it, we're going to stay an extra week for the Shannons Nationals as well. Good evening, Richard Grail and Gary O'Brien. G'day, Craig. How are you? I'm well, Gary. Hope you're enjoying that warm weather up there yeah. in the north. Yeah, good. Thanks, Craig. Hello, hello to everyone, and hello to Richard. Mm. G'day, guys. <laughs> the irony for the people who aren't listening is they are in separate rooms of the same apartment up there in Queensland, uh, just making sure we give you the best quality of sound. A topic that has certainly caught the imagination of of uh, the public is Todd Kelly and his swearing. He's on his way to Malaysia now to be part of the uh, city of Kuala Lumpur demonstration events. But it's certainly been interesting, Richard. I know whilst I was watching the Fox coverage this weekend, I I saw the car pulling to the side and I'm thinking, you better... And, and, And he says something like, why is it always me? I'm thinking to myself, you better cut away now. This could get a bit blue. And uh, you guys, you better cut away. You better cut away. And, of course, then he said a few words, which he has now apologised for. But he shouldn't really have to apologise. This comes down to the television broadcaster seeing the writing was on the wall and deciding to stay with it. And thank goodness they did. Uh, yeah, look, that's, it's going to be one of the most iconic bits of vision of 2015, that... And, and bits of audio as well. And thank the Lord they didn't cut away because too many times we sit back in our armchairs and criticise the drivers for not saying what they think or towing the PR line or not arcing out at another driver if they get fed off the road and that there's not enough passion in the sport and that they're all a bit vanilla this day and age and wasn't it better back in the day? Well, that was about as raw and as old school and as classic motor racing emotion that you can possibly get. And and I think that does more good for the sport than it does bad for maybe some kids that might accidentally stumble on that and and hear a bit of profanity. But uh, you'll hear more in Family Guy on Fox than you will uh, in a V8 supercar race coverage. So... I, I think it's brilliant. I'm glad they didn't cut away. It's gone viral since, and it's been seen by thousands and thousands of people around the world. I don't think Todd Kelly's got anything to apologise for. Um, I think it's uh, it's going to be one of the, the seminal moments of the season that we'll look back on when we get to Sydney at the end of the year and go, wasn't that a, a big moment? And, Gary, you're sitting in the lounge room with a 5- to 12-year-old uh, child. And that comes on. What does mum, who's out in the kitchen or in reading the paper in another room, come out and say to you after she hears that just in passing? Well, um, firstly, I agree totally with what Richard said. Uh, the emotion's got to be there in the sport. We see it in um, AFL, NRL as well. 
and uh, no one seems to kick up too much of a stink about that. And, uh, I think, you know, first time you see it, that's fine. Um, if we're getting replays later on, obviously, then you would cut it out. It, it is a tough one, and uh, I, I agree we want the emotion, but you could have turned the sound down and watched him belt the steering wheel, and you could see how upset he was. I think it was a... I actually think, whilst I, I don't blame Todd Kelly at all, I think it was a bad call by the TV crew. I don't think it... And and case in point, how much trouble that Brendan Goddard got in when he said a few colourful words to the umpires earlier this year. It it just doesn't... It doesn't play well. It's live TV, Craig, and it's live sport. It's going to happen every now and then, and it's it's all part of it. I I, I don't think you can punish drivers for showing emotion. Um, and, And I don't think you should blame the TV director for not jumping away because all... All he was doing was trying to convey the story of, of an emotional moment and he could see how upset Todd was and that kind of stuff is good for TV. So he wasn't to know that there was going to be swearing. Um, and, and look, it happens. And who would have known that in such a loud environment when there are other cars going past and all the other noises that the onboard microphone would pick him up? So... It's just, it, you know, it shows how loud he was yelling and how passionate he was about it. Um, no, look, I, and, and to answer your, your initial question about what would a mum tell a 12-year-old kid at the start is, well, a 12-year-old kid probably knows the difference of what's a bad word or a good word. It's the five-year-olds that probably don't. You just say, well, yep, he said a bad word. He was very, very angry and he'll be sorry for it later on. Um, but um, he was just very, very upset, and, and he'll move on about it. Don't ever use that word in my presence, young man, or you'll be grounded. So uh, I, I don't. I think we're making too much out of this. I think it's it's raw, emotive sport, and uh, I, I see absolutely nothing wrong with it. Just so, just to add to that point as well, if you're there sitting there watching that telecast, and you happen to get up and leave the room for a moment, and your five or six year old decides to flick over to another Fox channel there's a great chance that he's going to come across worse on another station. Or if you go to, say, GIO Stadium to watch your Raiders or your Brumbies, you're going to not only hear it off the field, you're going to hear it in the crowd around you. Yeah, well, I'm not saying it's right, but I think Mum's not actually saying something to the kids. Mum's saying something to Dad about why are you watching this if that's on there. Anyway, I think it has been a very viral and a very good promotional tool one man who's had to deal with that, though, is Cole Hitchcock. His last few weeks in the role of uh, Director of Communications at Ferd Supercars, and, well, he's moving on after 11 years, and he has this one little clip to have to deal with before he heads out the door. But, uh, uh, Gary, certainly been a long time in that role, seen a number of... Uh, and I, I do have to say I went through my archives of interviews with Cole and... I spoke to him a few years ago on a, I think it was on a Monday, talking about Campbell Little leading, leaving the organisation. Then on the Thursday, I had to ring him back and do another interview because Cameron Levick had decided to leave at the same time. And he, he's certainly seen some changes through the door. Well, certainly, and um, you know, for a guy that has a fairly um, relaxed attitude as well, which is is probably a good persona to carry around, uh, particularly when you've got some of the bosses that <laughs> he's had to work with over the years. 
um, I think he's carried it very well. Richard, he's an interesting guy. Had an amazing career in newspapers, in Cricket Australia as well, and has uh, now spent quite a bit of time in and really trying to lift the uh, profile of motorsport across all media platforms. Yeah, undoubtedly, and I think probably some of his biggest successes would be the the fact that the sport now gets quite regular coverage in in the news limited dailies, especially, um, which has always been traditionally the hardest for motor racing to crack. So. He leaves a great legacy and he's worked very, very hard on the sport, a sport which he's clearly very passionate about and, and keen, you know, he's been very keen to be involved in and put a lot into. So all power to him and, and certainly we all wish him the best for uh, for whatever he decides to do next and we're sure he'll be uh, very successful at it and we're pretty certain that he'll uh, float up at a couple of V8 supercar rounds in the near future. Yes, indeed. And, uh, of course, his replacement already appointed coming from GWS, so a bit of an AFL mindset coming into the role too. Yeah, which is which is good. And, and coming from, you know, the most publicised sport in Australia uh, and having experience in dealing with that is probably a good thing. And I, I think what we will see out of him as well is the, the fact that he was at GWS, Greater Western Sydney, um, while they were being established. So he, he understands about building the brand and building that uh, recognition in the media about a new brand. And, of course, we're talking about V8 supercars changing to supercars within the next couple of years. Um, the sport will go under something of a transformation and it'll be important in conveying that message as well as possible. So I think his experience in establishing the GWS brand, which everyone knows now, um, will be very, very important in, in helping that transition through for, uh, for supercars. Yeah, indeed. And uh, Gary, he, he also is now dealing with, uh, of course, and he being Nick Johnson's too. My apologies for not, uh, uh, not uh, saying the name up front, but Gary, uh, he's also having to uh, get a taste of what it's like when you have one of these little explosive uh, viral moments. Yeah, well, I guess he'll be the one who'll have to deal with it rather than uh, Cole in that respect because um, Cole actually hands over the reins at the next round at Sydney Motorsport Park. Uh, there was a bit of an introduction, of course, with uh, uh, the new kid on the block, we might say, as far as supercars go, getting a bit of a guided tour around at Queensland Raceway over the last weekend. Well, we need to speak about Chas Mostert after... Well, after the next break, because we're going to hear from Chaz Mostert now on Inside Supercars. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to beat the two levels through the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to have, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Three pole positions and a win on Sunday for Chas Mostert. Congratulations. A healthy weekend. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, it's good to uh, to get a pole position today for the, for the final 200k race. But uh, it's amazing to, to win here and um, a bit of a home crowd for me. I, I grew up in Queensland and I uh, had a lot of mates out of the track today. So it was a pretty special one. First win came at Queensland Raceway and uh, you just found your knack with the team that's just ever on the rise. 
Yeah, for sure. It's uh, pretty much every round we've gone to this year, except for Townsville. Um, you know, we've uh, we've got a, a trophy, which is fantastic. It's good to get two trophies here this weekend, a first and a third. And to win the the feature race on on the Sunday is uh, is awesome. So. Uh, can't wait to come back here for next year. It's a shame that it's another 12 months away because it's, uh, I get a bit egged on with the, the home support. But um, for me, it's, uh, it was been a fantastic weekend. Well, it's not as if you're going to be doing nothing between now and Sydney Motorsport Park. Off to KL after a ride day on Tuesday. Yeah, well, I, I, I miss out on the ride day because I got to fly Tuesday to KL. So uh, it's exciting to go over there and showcase our sport to, to parts of parts of the world and. Um, you know, it's going to be awesome to go there next year. And I guess being lucky as one of the five drivers to go there, that's a real privilege to, to show showcase what we got. And, of course, uh, plenty of merch going over there as well. So you'll be signing a few autographs, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, hopefully. Sign a few. But, um, you know, I've got some experienced guys going me. Lounsey's going over and um, Will Davison and, and, and Todd Kelly. So those guys have been in the category a lot longer. I'm sure their names have been heard well and truly before mine to get over there. So, um I might sign a couple, but I'm sure they'll sign a couple of hundred. Now, you being the youngest one of the party going over there, were they scared to send some other young ones that you might get a bit too wild and crazy? Um, no, I think, you know, we've sent uh, one car from every manufacturer. And, uh, you know, I'm going over with Scotty McLaughlin, so we're both around the same age. And um, it's cool to get give a couple of young blokes in there, but then a couple of experienced guys that to go over to and showcase what we got. So a bit of mongrel and a bit of experience is all good. What about the rules? What are the rules to get on track? Uh, because you are doing demonstration races. Uh, are these going to be a uh, bit more full-on than what we'd normally see at a championship event? Oh, look, mate, to be honest, I'm 100% unsure what the, the, the go is before we get there, but um, you know, I believe we've got some practice sessions, some uh, simulation qualities and uh, some demonstration races too. So uh, obviously there's no points on offer. We don't want to go over and bend cars, but we want to put on a good show too and show some good hard racing and uh, show what we're all about. Mm. Now, obviously, as we get closer and closer to Bathurst, you're going to be the defending champion. What did you think with the with the pre or the first session co-driver practices? Are you happy with how your new teammate is all working with you? Yeah, you know, Cam's doing a fantastic job. He fits in the car nice. He's uh, he seems comfortable behind the wheel. We gave him a run at Darwin, and he, you know, straight away said the car wasn't nice, which it, which it wasn't. We tuned it up, and he didn't get a run at that, but. This weekend he rolled out, he, he did a good job. He hasn't had any good tyres on the car yet, so we've kind of been starving him a bit there because he's been doing the development series. But, um, you know, he'll be he'll be right there. He'll be probably one of the quickest co-drivers there. He's, PD's been one of the quickest guys in years to come, so has Dean Cano, and he's um, he's showing PD in, in development series how, how good he is, and um, it's, it's awesome to be privileged to... Well, it's absolutely privileged to be um, teamed up with him. It's going to be different. You had the youngest and oldest combination in the field last year at Bathurst, and this year it's two young guns just uh, going to go for it. Yeah, exactly. It's um, you know Paul did an amazing job last year. He his experience really calmed me down on on the mountain there. So fantastic to to race with someone like that and and, and get the win. Uh, and now it's it's going to be a bit different. You know, last year we spent um, most time mid pack through the rounds uh, through the weekend, and um, and then we popped out at the end with a really fast car. So. This year, um, you know, hopefully we can really get into that top 10 shootout. That would be amazing. Uh, I've always wanted to be one guy, one guy on the track at one um, in a top 10 and, and just really trying to, to get a wrangle of time out of it. So that qualifying pace has been good. Hopefully that can confirm, uh, I mean, convert over up into to Bathurst and just looking, looking forward to get there. Of course, Cam Waters is doing such a great job in the Dunlop series. And if his pace stays like that, he might be a competitor of yours next year. 
Yeah, it's scary, isn't it? If he uh, if he gets in the main game, he's going to be definitely a threat from the word go. He's he's had the right upbringing. He's um, done everything I've done: carts, former Ford, development series, and he's um, to be honest, he's with his uh, youth. He's probably a couple of years before me where I was at. So um, you know, he's doing a great job. It's awesome to be teamed up with him. He's done actually more Bathurst than me, so um, it's quite funny. But uh, we we can't wait to get there. Mm. And of of course, your teammate leading the championship. You, are, you know, you're still a ways back, but you're still in with the hunt yourself. How do you, how do you and the team manage the fact that it's two teammates that are going for the one crown? Oh, mate, it's you know the way Triple Eight have done it over the years. You know, those guys have been all the way down. You, you just got to take each weekend as it comes. Um, you know, it's, it's obviously about all track position with strategy and stuff on the longer races, but. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a long way ahead. Two two ninety points is is not a small margin. But saying that, um, generally when I'll be strong, he'll be strong because we've got the same equipment. And and when he's strong, I'll be strong. So it's um it's hard. It's not ever gonna. If he has a dip in a weekend, then I'm probably gonna have a dip as well because um, we probably don't have a strong package. But um, saying that, we've been pretty strong everywhere we've gone this year. We've had a top five card every round. So it's um. Yeah, if I didn't have those couple of crashes at the start of the year and I just had that little bit more experience, you know, my margin might be a bit closer. But uh, for me, there's a long way to go. Um, I'm not to- completely focused on the championship. Just, just trying to do the best job I can, bring the car back straight, and, um, get some, get some champagne for the guys. That's always good. And if we come out of the enduros with a close gap, then I'm going to be pushing. That's, that's the, the age in me. I just want to be a little bit mongrel and get out there and race hard, and um, we'll just see how we go. And of course, David Reynolds is in that fight as well. And I would imagine that at some point you guys go, well, if we can go one, two, three in the championship, that's going to be a, a huge, huge credit for the entire operation. Oh, exactly. You know, that's the goal. It's, uh, there's no doubt about that. We've got three guys in the top four, so the car's obviously doing an awesome job. Everyone at ProDrive's doing an awesome job, and, and now the drivers just have to really step up to the mark and, and also do an awesome job. How big is the attitude difference when you go into that workshop and see the boys in between rounds? with all the success you're having this year as compared to last year where it was a tough year up until you took your Bathurst crown? So to be honest, mate, there's, there's no difference. Um, our team's awesome at keeping uh, Team Morel up, even even when you're not having probably the most successful year. Um, last year, it was still very chirpy. This year, it's very chirpy. To be honest, um, you know, everyone's trying their hardest, and that's what race people in race teams do. They uh, they put their 110% in, and if it doesn't showcase on the track, at least they've tried their hardest. And even when stuff's going well, they're still doing their 110%. So uh, for me, it's um, no difference. We're just, we're just chipping away. Yeah, we've got a long way to go to the end of the year. Uh, we can't call it this soon. I'm sure if, we, you know, if one of the guys in, in our cars get the championship, obviously there's going to be some massive celebrations. But till then, it's a long way to go. Well, Chaz, I know you're enjoying every minute of it. Uh, Scotty McLaughlin sort of uh, took that living the dream, but I'm sure you're somewhat doing exactly the same thing. Yeah, no, nah, mate, I'm just keeping it real, so it's, oh, uh, it's all good. Chaz, have a fantastic time in KL. I think what you're going to see over there uh, in this demonstration weekend is going to be a, a really big sign of what's to come when the whole circus gets there the following year. Yeah, no, it's, it's exciting, like I said, to go over showcase that. And um, I've never really been to KL, so it's, I'm, I'm sure there's a little mid-year getaway for me, so I, I can't wait. Can't wait. Got to be warmer than Melbourne. Oh, yeah, definitely. I might pack some shorts. Chesmaster, great to have you join us here on Inside Motorsport. Thanks, mate.
The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Chaz Mostert there speaking before the break, and a four-year deal for Chaz going forward. He's managed to do what everyone likes to do, get a better pay packet and for longer time before your last pay packet was even near to running out, Richard. Yeah, it was It was almost inevitable that it was. it was going to happen. It was one of those deals that... Most people thought it wasn't a matter of uh, if it was going to be done, it was when. It made sense. Um, Pro-Drive Racing Australia are the form team in the competition at the moment. Um, Chaz is a bright, young, rising star who's very marketable, he's personable, he's got a great personality and he's a very, very, very good racing car driver. There was no reason on either side for them to leave and they were just uh, working out the dollars and cents in between it. So... Great news for the sport, long-term deal. It secures one of the, the stars of the sport. And I think in four or five years' time, we'll be talking about Taz Mostert in the same way now. We talk about a Winterbottom or uh, Tander or Courtney, and, and he'll be one of the household names in the sport. And that's only going to be a good thing. And his performances at the weekend certainly back that up. So as long as uh, PRA keep their stuff together and, and keep winning races, then there's no doubt that Mostert's going to be a regular winner. And very, very successful driver because uh, what he's done this year alongside Mark Winterbottom has been extremely impressive. Mm. And a great thing about Chaz too is, uh, Gary, it's not going to his head. He's still as approachable and as personable as he was when he was in the Dunlop series. Yeah, exactly. And um, he's always working on, on his ability as well. Um, it was quite evident that uh, he was the fastest man at uh, Queensland Race on the weekend, but the starts have just let him down a little bit. But it's something he's he's working forward on, and particularly after Saturday, where he mentioned that the start uh, was something that he'd had to really um, to work out, and it certainly worked it out by Sunday, which which is a pretty good turnaround, really. Yeah, indeed it is. And uh, well, I think PRA, Richard, you spoke about it. If they keep their act together, their qualifying pace has been really impressive this year. Do you think that's the difference between them and the rest of the field? Uh, yeah, it is, and we know that in fact, supercars, if you qualify well, you're in with a much, much better chance, as simplistic as that sounds, but the, the opposite to PRA at the moment is the Holden Racing Team, who can't get their stuff together in qualifying, but have got great race pace. Their cars are very fast, but because they get buried down in the field in 12th or 13th in qualifying, there's only so much you can do about that in a 200k race with, with two pit stops. There's only so many strategic gambles you can roll to get yourself to the front, so... Qualifying is vitally important, and, and the one thing they said about the um, the SGX model that got homologated at the start of the year was that they um, they resolved the front end dramas of their car. They got their braking sensitivity right, and as a result, the car was a better qualifying car. So they're, they're the form team at the moment. What annoys me a little bit about 
some of the chatter going on in the sport is, is people going, oh, parody, parody, you know, they're too fast, we need to novel them. Well, that's rubbish because all we're seeing now is just the, the ebb and flow of the sport as Triple Eight have a slightly less than brilliant year compared to what they've been for the last five years or so. Um, and uh, I, I don't want to diminish the job that, that Pro Drive are doing. And we've got to remember, they've been regular race winners for the last three or four seasons. They just haven't strung together a championship and have perhaps got a bit of a reputation of shooting themselves in the foot in the second half of the year. Well, at the moment, there seems to be absolutely no signs of that coming up to the enduro season. So they've got it together. They've got they're arguably the best package. They've got two, three of the best drivers, plus a, a young rookie who's showing plenty of speed on occasion this year. So... Um, they've got a great package and they're going really well and all power to them. Mm. And Gary Frosty, almost 300 points ahead. So do you think he could even wrap it up before Bathurst? Um, if not before Bathurst, around Bathurst, I would imagine he would. Um, I can't see, provided they obviously keep uh, the form that we've got at the moment, that he will wrap up the championship this year and potentially around about the Bathurst time. Mm. No, no, he... <laughs> This champion, it, it might get done before Homebush, but we're still talking Phillip Island. The, the, the championship's not going to be decided until after Surface Paradise. There's, there's too much racing to go for it to be decided early. And the fact he's 300 points up is great for Frosty, but we're going into three of the toughest races of the year in Sandown, Bathurst and Gold Coast, Perth and Euro Cup. We've seen in the past how quickly things can change. New DNS Bathurst and Craig Lowndes wins which is extremely feasible with that race, all of a sudden, CL back in the game, or, or one of any other driver that's within 100 points, as it is through second through to about seventh place at the moment. So, yeah, I, no, we can't count our chickens before it hatches for uh, and winning bottom just yet. There's a long, long way to go. Yeah, all right. Or, or Prosty can win Bathurst and the others fail, and there well, goes that, that argument. Well, that happens, absolutely right, 100%. <laughs> but there's a lot of points up for grabs. Yeah. Uh, if that happens, then you've got some concerns with uh, penalties. Uh, coming up later in the year and uh, interesting I've just uh, seen a story I think it was uh, Stefan Bartholomew's uh, with Todd Hazelwood upset, upset with the driver's standards observers in the Dunlop series so uh, that'll be an interesting story to watch how it progresses we do need to take a break here on Inside Supercars don't forget you can hear Inside Supercars on a multitude of platforms including Stitcher Stitcher is in um hundreds of cars all around the world and you can just log in listen to Inside Supercars on Stitcher right now. So if you want to know more, go to stitcher.com. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Richard Crowell and Gary O'Brien. Formats. Interesting. Do you think the super sprints are working, remembering that the super sprints are really just 60-60s without the uh, mid-race pit stop, aren't they? Basically, yep. That's what they are. Yeah, but it's too early to tell, isn't it? Like, we really... We're, they changed the format again from last year and, and they modified the, the Saturday format a little bit. They've tweaked it again this year with, with allocation of soft tyres and things like that. But it's too early to tell. We can't keep stuffing around with race formats just because they produce some boring racing or here and there. And it's the same with tyres. Um, you remember at the start of the season, we were all complaining about how rubbish the hard tyre races were. And then two of the best races in the last couple of rounds has all been on the hard tyre. Race one at QR and the one at Hidden Valley as well were all, all blinders. So part of the problem with our sport in the past is that we've been too reactionary 
in making changes before they've needed. We've just got to let things settle down, let it play out, give it a year or two to see if it works, um, and, and let the formats sort themselves out and, and see what happens. What we did see on the weekend with the Sunday race was that we didn't have any crossover with people rolling the dice on strategy. So we didn't have people starting on soft, going to hards later, or vice versa. Everyone pretty much did the same thing. And I think that's what happens when people start to really understand how these races play out. But I don't think we can call it a failure yet. We need to, we need to give it a little bit more time. Mm. It's interesting because, uh, Gary, the soft tyres, there was this big push to get those soft tyres in. Uh, you had people saying you don't change the rules halfway through the year. And as it's turned out, the, the hard tyre races have have just been uh, fantastic when the cars have got a bit of grip and um, particularly the new surface at Hidden Valley. And then at QR, QR lends itself to good racing, even if um, most people would like to say it's the most boring track in the world. Yeah, the, the QR races, the Saturday sprint races, were really intense. I mean, I don't know if it really comes over on TV as such, but the, the hard-nosed racing that was going on was really something you could see when you're trackside. You, don't, you might not catch it on TV. And having that, that mixture, and I guess we've now got the issue that there's not a lot of difference between the hard and the soft tyre. For instance, they qualified on for Sunday's race just three tenths off what they did on the soft tyre on the Saturday, and and we mentioned previously at Darwin they're actually faster in qualifying on the Sunday on the hard tyre than they were on, on the soft tyre for the second race on Saturday afternoon. Mm, lucky no one gets any testing time because or tyres because could you imagine what they'd be like if they could test on them and set their cars up properly? Well, then give them the same tyre to use in the race. Yeah, that's <laughs> That'd right. make it interesting. <laughs> Uh, we're one year on since the first True Colour track walk took place at QR. That first time, it was a, just an amazing sea of people. What have you thought as you travelled around the country and seen them rolled out each time, Richard? Uh, look, it's great. It's a really good concept. Um, there, there's an argument from some that it should be used for racing, but I disagree in that what we're doing is opening up the field of play to spectators before the game. Uh, imagine doing that at a, an AFL footy or an NRL game. It just doesn't happen. You have a kick to kick afterwards at some grounds. But what we're doing is saying, look, you can come down, you can meet the stars, you can look at the cars, you can actually touch the field of play before we kick off. Uh, and that's very, very rare in any sport. Um, but it's something NASCAR do really well with their program and their driver intros at some of their big events, uh, especially Daytona where they get everybody down on the infield there on the grass uh, in front of the main grandstand. So it's great, and it's great to have that interaction. It's certainly one of the stronger points of our sport in that we can engage with fans like that and get them involved. And if they're paying 50 or 60 bucks or whatever it is for a ticket to get into the racetrack to sit there for a day, then there needs to be some form of payoff. Um, now, whether that's just a whole heap of car racing or whether it's a unique thing like that, I don't know. Um, other series do different things. British touring cars don't do a, a track walk per se, but they open up pit lane and they have every, all the drivers out in pit lane signing autographs uh, on the Sunday morning. So it's a very similar sort of a concept. Um, and as I mentioned, the NASCAR example as well. So I think it's great. It, it's a really, really good concept. And Gary, it, it really does seem to have worked at Tassie, at, uh, uh, at Perth, all the other places where they've done it now. Um, whilst they've tweaked Winton was huge and it was on like it 
seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning. It was ridiculously early, but still, it was a sea of fans. It certainly is, and um, uh, the QR. There was no lesser crowd uh, going to have a look. And the difference to QR, I guess, is the fact that they put some races on beforehand, so they have to clear the track, then put the cars out there, then the punters come out and have a look around, and then they all get. Uh, shepherded off and then we go back to racing well as it was qualifying straight after it so it 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 means that what they're seeing is the cars just before they go and do their stuff which is probably even a better idea than what they did at Winton where they put the cars away for a couple of hours before they see them again mm. yeah I, I thought last weekend it was a much better much better program where it was in the middle of the day I thought that just worked a, uh, a lot better um, yeah I just agree. For, just even for the timing of when it when it was to make sure you had your maximum maximum bang for well, your you buck. Well, you also consider that some of the meetings you go to where access to the track in the mornings can be a bit difficult. At least the spectators can get in and have time to you know find out where they're going to be sitting and then realise what time the, the track walk is on and then get to it. Mm. Well, we need to take a break here on Inside Supercars, but there's plenty more when we return. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Bought Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck. For Daniel Ricardo's old man to have found a few mates to tip some money in and send him overseas, there actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And And you're you're listening listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Gary O'Brien, Richard Crowell and uh, myself, Craig Ravel. And a couple of interesting little stories coming out of... uh, out of Queensland Raceway. And, of course, Queensland Raceway, I should mention once again, Richard, that uh, racing next uh, this weekend coming with the Shannon's National Series. And there is a whole host of uh, Bathurst endurance drivers that will be doing uh, the rounds there, and not, not the least of which is, uh, of course, Jack Perkins. He'll be out there. Um, it's it's going to be a great little meeting. Yeah, it will, absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, not that I've got a vested interest or anything. Um <laughs> It's going to be super. There are eight racing categories, more V8s, so the Kumo V8 series, the third tier V8s, and they've been in the press a lot in the last fortnight with uh, the 15-year-old Alex Rullo. Uh, he was on the project, and he's been in the papers and getting a huge amount of uh, coverage, which is great to see. For the young man who won at Fortune at Winton uh, back in June this year. Um, so they're there. The, the sports sedans, as you mentioned, with Jack Perkins back in the Audi that Darren Hossack usually drives, which is going to be good fun to see because that car always goes well there. Open wheelers, touring cars, production cars, whole heap of stuff. Um, uh, check it out online at thenationals.com.au because uh, it's going to be a ripper race. I mean, it's a good fortnight for uh, fans of motor racing in southeast Queensland because uh, the Brisbaneers and the Gold Coasters can get up there and uh, see two weekends of uh, really good top quality national level racing back to back. Yep, indeed. If you're in that area, get out to the track. And like you said, you've uh, got the online streaming on Sunday for everyone who can't get there. Uh, only on Sunday, or is there going to be Saturday, Sunday streaming? No, no, just, uh, just on Sunday, Sunday. Yep. all day Sunday, uh, live and free online. All right. Looking at, uh, looking at the racing, a couple of stories coming out of the weekend. Scotty Mack, great to see that team up the front again. A good podium, pole position. It was all 
starting to come together for the team that has been scratching their head wondering what went wrong, Gary? Yeah, I think um, they showed that potential at Townsville, didn't they? And uh, we thought, well, this it's on now. They're back to where they should be, up towards the front, pointy end of the field. But um, uh, And then followed it up with that podium result at QR last weekend. Unfortunately, the Sunday race didn't play out quite so well. Uh, the strategy uh, didn't fall right into their hands, which is um, means that at least they've got a couple of finishes under their belt, and that always helps when you're sort of moving towards the Enduros. Mm. Now, the tomorrow that never comes is the Lucas Umbrell co-driver situation. I don't think that's resolved yet, Richard. No, they've made it pretty clear they still want uh, an international co-driver, and, and all of Australia's motorsport media outlets on the weekend wrote a story at some point about the fact that uh, Euron Blickemolin was one of the drivers in the mix there. Um, they tested Carl Reinler in one of those cars uh, as well, which was good. Um, Carl would be an excellent choice, very reliable uh, driver to plug into the car and go very, very quickly. So plenty of uh, possibilities for LDM. They're in a, a pretty good situation. Ollie Gavin already confirmed to drive with Nick Perkett. He's a superstar and He's one of the best sports car drivers in the world and has shown his stuff um, at Bathurst in, in the past, in the 12-hour and indeed the 1,000 was a, a great degree of success, including a podium last year, which was awesome. So, yeah, look, uh, they're in a good position. It's a good seat. People will get it. LDM's going all right at the moment. Good pace from Perkett on the weekend. Kept all the doors on for once as well, which was nice to see. Uh, and, yeah, look, it's a good seat. They'll, they'll get it sorted. I like the fact they're still looking at international drivers. Um, I like seeing them come down and, and play in our cars. Mm, yeah, it is It is good, and particularly the choices they're, uh, the people they're choosing from too, Gary. They've uh, shown before uh, at the Gold Coast that they are definitely no slouches. Yeah. Actually, um, <laughs> Percat didn't have all the doors on after one of those races. Oh, um, did, did um, nothing. Um, <laughs> Aaron Russell's the other one that's in the uh, framework there as well, the development series driver. Mm. Good. Um, I actually have to do, make a correction. I gave credit to Stefan Bartholomeus for a story that is actually on fairsupercars.com, uh, which is Hazelwood cheesed off, cheesed off with driving standards. So my apologies to fairsupercars.com for getting that incorrect. Um, also, Shane Van Gisbergen. There's a driver that is so quick, but just things not going right for the gears and he's really fast fading out the back door of the top 10, Richard. Yeah, that's a strange scenario, isn't it? Because at the start of the year, they look really, really good. Um, I don't know what it is. They've had, they've had some bad luck. They had some unreliability uh, in the second race uh, on the weekend. Obviously, when they tried to start, the thing went nowhere, um, but didn't qualify anywhere either, so it didn't help the course. Yeah, it, that's a strange one. Um, for a, a team that's got a good budget, it's got triple eight support, good cars, good engineering, good leadership with Steve Hallam, one of the best drivers in the field, um, it, it's hard to put a finger on what's been going on there. It, it, no one really knows. I, I don't know if it's the fact that they're a single-car team and it's starting to hurt that they might not have that transition of data that, that the other operations have got that, that are charging forward so quickly, triple eight with two and... Um, Pro-drive with four cars, of course, which, which probably helps their cause. It's a very, very strange scenario that Techno find themselves in, and they need to fix it quickly um, to try and turn their season around. Um, and I don't think they need to think about championships either. I think they just need to, to look at getting back on the podium, and uh, the rest will take care of itself mm. if they can return to some form. 
Yeah. All right. Ahead of the white flag lap before the break, a Malaysia, the Malaysia experiment. What, Gary, is your read on it? Of course, all the drivers heading over there just uh, absolutely wrapped. You've got Scotty Mack, uh, Chaz Mostert, Craig Lowndes, Will Davison, and I can't think of the fifth. Todd but Kelly. I, Todd Kelly, of course. How could I forget Todd Kelly? Rick Kelly. Yeah, Rick Kelly's car, but Todd Kelly. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's your thoughts on this demonstration race, which no one really knows how hard they're allowed to go? Well, my my reaction is uh, I don't know why. It's obviously promotional more than anything else. But as for um, gaining any knowledge out of it, I suppose that they'll find out how the car goes, how how much undulations on the track, that sort of little bit of inside information. But um, it's just basically promoter promotional thing, and uh, obviously the. Yeah, you know, the supercars will uh, really push it to the fore to uh, get it out there to uh, build the content up for next year. Mm, Richard, oh yeah, I can't say much more than that. It, clearly, a great promotional exercise. Um, start building up interest and make sure that that next year's a success. Um, there's a lot of question marks over that event. There's been some political dramas that have been well documented. Hopefully, that can be all put behind them and it can turn into something really cool and, and great for the sport. Um, I think we all understand that probably needs to be some international component to V8 supercar racing, and, and that's a good market, KL. It's close to Australia. Um, it's relevant. It's easy to get to from here as well. Only a couple of hours flight, um, and it's a great business market for Australian business as well. So um, I'm, I'm all for them racing there. Uh, I just hope that the event continues and it's not one of those flash-in-the-pan one- or two-year deals that, that V8 has sort of been lumped over the years with brief visits to China and the States and Abu Dhabi and all the other ones that uh, sort of haven't lasted. Hopefully it can turn into a New Zealand where we go there for a long time. Yeah, my understanding is the ticket price for a GA is a uh, 100% correct. If you're a resident of KL, it's free. Mm, uh, cool. So that's... Uh, uh, encourage immigration. Well, <laughs> yes, an interesting thought. Hey, we need to take a break. The White Flag Lap is up next here on Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars uh, for the White Flag Lap. Richard Crowell. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page. And to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars, where the white flag lap now form Richard Crail. A thought or observation? Right. Uh, I, I did want to touch briefly on uh, a fairly contentious subject, Craig, uh, the Bathurst 12-hour, which, as we know, in the last week, uh, it was confirmed that Supercars event uh, has taken over as, um, as part of the promotional group of that event from the incumbents, which was Yeehaw Events and James O'Brien. Um, I want to say a couple of things. One, in that Supercars events is very different to V8 Supercars. It's an independent business, 
and their job is to promote and grow events. And they're very good at doing that because they promote 10 of the best and biggest motorsport events in Australia in the rounds that they promote of the V8 supercars. But they're an events business. They want to grow outside of just V8 supercar. So the conspiracy theorists on social media who are all up in arms about the fact that V8 supercars are bought the event with a view to killing it, that's rubbish. It's not going to happen. Uh, so just, just chill pill, calm down, deep breath. It's all going to be okay. Uh, and it really is a case of business as usual. And next February, there will be a GT international endurance race on the mountain. Uh, it just so happens that people behind the scenes might be a little bit different, but it's still going to be absolutely amazing and one of the great races and growing as quickly as it always has. So uh, the social media has gone off its head in the last couple of weeks and uh, I just... just hope people just calm down, take a little deep breath, and let's just see it all play out over the next six months or so. Mm. One thing I'm hoping is that James O'Brien got a, uh, a good little thank you on the on the way out the door, which he can then concentrate on a six-hour event at Easter and build it up to something like he's done with the 12-hour. Final thought, Gary O'Brien. Uh, Craig Lowndes, uh, particularly... Race 19 on Saturday, that dice he had with Mark Winterbottom. Absolutely phenomenal watch. Two of the best in the business uh, at um, 11 tenths for that entire race and virtually nothing between them. Obviously, uh, the start was where the race was won. An interesting thought from Frosty after the event saying that he was breaking at qualifying pace. In other words, at the very last stretch that he possibly could and Craig was going 10 metres deeper. At um, very different lines into the corners, um, as Richard will attest to as well. But uh, certainly two of the best in the business doing what they do best. Uh, and it will be interesting to see how the fans in Malaysia react to the V8 supercars when they get over there to do some heated demonstration runs. It will be great to see. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. My thanks to Gary O'Brien. Great. Good to see you again. Good to talk to you again, I should say, and um, catch up soon. Yeah, and uh, Richard, great to have you back on the show. Always a pleasure. Thanks, boys. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars.